tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Welcome back. You're watching BLM Community, more than a hashtag. Today we're talking Juneteenth, Juneteenth Tulsa, and the murder of Rayshard Brooks. I'm joined by a wonderful panel. We've got journalist and a writer of Ghostwriters TV, Jackie Fern. We've got educator and entertainment host, Delma Mbezo and Daniel. And we've got chef and vegan activist, Charlie Fife. How are you guys doing? I uh, want to check in with each one of you and just find out how you guys are doing this time. And happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll start with you, Delma. I'm doing well. I think like, like you said, you, you speak to something today. We're not living in fear. I think we're all kind of just taking advantage of this time. So as much as there's a lot of pain right now, I'm just so hopeful because I know that in anything, you can't heal what you don't address. So we are all healing together and we're all in this together. So I still feel so empowered. Uh, so I'm very grateful and today's a wonderful day. Nothing to complain about. Thank you. Charlie. So while there are a lot of sad things happening um, on an individual basis, I feel if we look at this, um, you know, for, from a big picture perspective and what this could lead to in the future is a lot of positive because uh, a lot of conversations are being sparked right now. A lot of people are, are learning valuable information, especially about history and uh, people want to make change right now with COVID. Uh, it's kind of like the perfect storm. People are available and they're enraged. So um, a lot can happen in this time. So I'm happy about that. And yeah, Jackie. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me again. I love joining this panel. And similar to what you said, Thelma, and also you, Charlie, I feel like right now we're at this precipice of change. And so many people are learning about history that has been whitewashed from them for literally their entire lives. The amount of people that I hear on TikTok telling me, like, I'm learning more on TikTok about ethnic studies than I ever did and I've graduated college, right? Mm -hmm. And today is just a prime example of that. Juneteenth, I literally walked out uh, of my house and my parents go, I said, happy Juneteenth. And they go, what is that? And I said, oh, this is the day when everyone was free, when black slaves were freed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is why so many of my black friends don't celebrate Independence Day because this is the real Independence Day. So I'm just like those little moments of learning I yeah. feel are so important and valuable. Yeah, and I will say as a black person getting to say happy Juneteenth and knowing I can say that and have there be understanding and have people at least know what it is, that's been a little bit of a freedom in of itself this day. Because before I know about I knew about Juneteenth, I didn't say it to people because I didn't think they'd know what it was and I have to go into a long explanation of it. And then, you know, so now there is a refreshness that we're all kind of getting educated about this. And yeah, to clarify, it is the day that they found out they were free. So they had been free. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank so you. Just, just clarify that. But yes, absolutely. Yeah, Texas was the slowest state. And so that was the last state to find out. And so that we commemorate that day for Juneteenth. Which is interesting. Um, I'm from Texas, we're the last ones to find out, the last ones to free slaves, but we're the first ones to make it a holiday statewide. So yeah. I'm part of Texas for that, at least. Yeah, and, and that is going to be our, our next topic of discussion, should Juneteenth be a national holiday? But we do have a little bit of breaking news before that. You know, times are changing quickly in a good, positive way. Brett Hankinson has been fired. He is one of three officers involved in the Louisville shooting of Breonna Taylor. 
So of course that has been, you know, a mission of all of us, you know, after George Floyd, we still want to highlight Breonna Taylor. So one of the three officers has been fired, but of course we want charges, we want convictions, um, but that is a little bit of breaking news. Um, so just want to get your guys' reaction to that. And then let's of course talk about whether or not Juneteenth should be in fact a national holiday. Um, I'll start with you, Jackie. So when I read this news earlier today, I felt, um, I read it and thought, oh, okay, fired, but what? This man needs to be charged. When you read into Breonna Taylor's case, it is so obvious that there was misconduct in there. It is so wrong. So many things went wrong. There was definitely some sort of cover up. I'm glad that there is some action being taken. And I feel like it kind of took Beyonce's open letter for there to be some sort of change. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are our big celebrities, public figures speaking out and using their platform to be the catalyst for change. And so I, I read that. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think this man needs to be charged. And those two other officers need to be held accountable too because something fishy happened there. Yeah, I agree with you. The mayor is, has refused to say why now, has refused to say what has gone into the decision-making as, as, as to why now. I have a feeling, of course, it's a public pressure. Um, Thelma, how do you feel about it? I think this is a complete slap in the face. Brianna Taylor was killed in March, in March, mm -hmm. in her bed. This police department doesn't even wear body cams. You should have seen the report, it was empty. It's a complete slap in the face, not just to the Beyonce's and the celebrities, but the people who are putting their bodies on the line for all of us. How dare you fire one person out of three? That is absolutely nothing. That is not justice. That is nothing to be celebrating for me. And I just think it's a slap in the face. And if they think that that's gonna be enough, huh, it's not over, absolutely not. So I'm so sorry, but it's just not enough for me. Brianna Taylor deserves a lot more than that. Yeah, Charlie? I think um, I think accountability is really crucial right now and not just um, holding the police accountable for their action, but also the speed at which this accountability is measured, because the longer the longer this goes on, the longer people lose their faith in the system and it's going to be more havoc. So if we want to patch this up, if we want to uh, create any type of reform or restructure the system, speed matters, too. And, and it, like, like she said, it's a slap in the face that they haven't been charged already. So we're, we're patiently waiting. Yeah, and, and the termination letter that he did receive said it was for wantonly and blinding, blindly firing 10 shots into a room where he was not, where he had no knowledge of an imminent threat. So based on that, I would expect charges to be coming soon, but, but we'll see. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Juneteenth and whether it should be a national holiday. In order for it to be a national holiday, Congress does has to um, approve it as a national holiday. What do you guys think about that happening? Um, and how do we go back Typically in schools and begin to educate kids about this if that's the route we're going to go. Now, Jackie, how, how do you feel? 100% this needs to be a nationally recognized holiday. On my Instagram, I have a link in the bio for the change.org petition uh, started by Miss Opal, who's been petitioning for this to be a nationally recognized holiday. She's in her 90s. So I think this is long overdue. It's about time. It's something that needs to be taught in schools. And um, I am so for Juneteenth being a holiday. If we have other holidays that feel innocuous, this is one that should be celebrated. Yeah. Um, I think 
I agree completely, Jackie, and I'm so glad that you brought up Ms. Opal. There's so many things that this would represent, and I think that it's indicative of a reckoning that we have to address as a nation. Um, there are a lot of things that I personally want. I, I have my own personal list of things that we need to do. No one has asked me, but I'm ready. You know, we need peace. We need a peace and reconciliation council. We have to address what has gone on, and I think that we can't talk about, you know, Juneteenth and all of that without knowing the stresses that it brings and everything that we've been through it wasn't just Tulsa. There are so many more and I know we're getting to that. So for me, it's an absolute yes, it has to be a national holiday across the board. And I think that it's 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 way to start educating people, right? So that's just the first step. Yeah, and, and Charlie, and then and also let me tack this one on. Should we recognize Juneteenth, but should we then do that in um, replacing July 4th or do we celebrate both, Charlie? Mm. Sorry. He's phoning uh, uh, a friend, everyone. <laughs> somebody's, somebody's calling. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and unanimously say, yes, it should absolutely be a holiday. And I don't even think that there's a debate. I don't think that it's like a maybe and that we should go into yes or no. I think that there's nothing else higher that we could be celebrating because we pride ourselves on being the land of the free. And that's what we're known as, that's how we branded ourselves. And let's be true to the history and let's really be about it, you know? So that's something that we could all be proud of is, is really when we were really all free. So yes, 100%. But do we replace now July 4th or do we continue to celebrate July 4th? Shaka, hmm. we want more paid holidays, my friend. So let's just <laughs> add another paid holiday and that corporate part. America can pocket the cost. Us, you know what I, mean? I, I think if we're going on technicalities, it should replace it. But if we're going on practicality and like what's going to happen for us, just keep both. You know, it's a, it's a great holiday, July 4th. And so it's still a good reason to celebrate, but we need to, we need to also start adding in more of the truth into our history. Like, and like you said, in education, um, there needs to be some upgrades to those books. Yeah. I think for me, I think making Juneteenth a national holiday. You know, you mentioned something that was so critical that people feel disconnected from July 4th, but it's because we're still fighting a battle to be free right now. Mm -hmm. I want to feel as American as everyone else, right? Yeah. But celebrating and making Juneteenth a national holiday now starts that reconciliation process for black people and indigenous people and people who are disconnected from July 4th. Yeah, so yeah. that's still an independence day, it is true. Yeah. All history shouldn't be celebrated, but all history is real, it happened. So I think that this is the reconciliation that we will have and it's what can bring us all closer together to celebrating July 4th um, and Juneteenth. For me, you know, this is the independence day because this is truly when people are all free. Yeah, and I agree because when you celebrate Juneteenth, then we can look at religious freedom of July 4th and the government tyranny that we want. We, we can look into those a little bit with pride but when it seems to be not talked about that only freedom was for a certain section, certain sect of people, then it feels very disingenuous to those who would not have been free at that time. Um, but we got to talk a little bit about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, it's sort of been entwined with Juneteenth because that was the day that Donald Trump said he was going to hold this rally in Tulsa, which already had big eyes on it because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so um, there are obviously some competing concerns there. What do you guys think about, and, and let me, for those out there who are unaware, Tulsa was the site of the 1921 massacre. We had Greenwood in Tulsa, which was the Black Wall Street. That was 
and it was happened through segregation. We were segregated, but because we were segregated, we put our money into our own community and built up this thriving area that was resented by many white people. Incident took place uh, between a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old, a black 19-year-old and a, white, a 17-year-old white girl. She accused him of some sort of assault, and that ends up kicking off these race riots that turned into just a burning and a massacre of this great prominent community, Black Wall Street. So that's where, where we are. And this is where Trump wanted to begin the first of his major rallies on Juneteenth, where we celebrate freedom. Uh, what did you guys think about uh, that declaration by Trump and Trump's moving it to the day after? Um, Charlie, I'll start with you. Uh, that, that was in really poor taste um, and indecency to do that. Um, he, he knows what he was doing. And I think that he's trying to garner support from his fan base and the people that have voted for him in the past. So um, we know him for being kind of a snake and playing both sides. And this is him appealing to a certain crowd. So it was all planned. And um, I just do not approve. I think it's a big slap in the face. Yeah, Thelma? Um, I think we can't talk about Tulsa without talking about Colfax, Louisiana, without talking about Wilmington, North Carolina, Atlanta. Arkansas, Florida, it happened so many times. It wasn't just Tulsa. So to see him make an announcement, it just reminds you how, yes, there's some people who may be aloof to their privilege, who have just, you know, decided to live in a bubble, whether it's because they've been in a whitewashed situation or they just never really checked their privilege. But then it also reminds you that this hate is intentional. There are people who are intentional about their pain and intentional about our pain. So for him to do that, just like Charlie said, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Jackie? Tulsa, the, the Tulsa massacre is literally in history, the worst domestic terrorism this country has ever seen, right? That's what it's noted in history books. If you aren't familiar with this because we're actually not taught this in our history books, it's probably in an advanced history, history course that you take in college. Um, you can literally watch Watchmen for free on HBO and within the first five minutes of the first episode, you're thrown into the Tulsa massacre and you're like, what is this? What is happening? And you Google it and it's like, oh yes, that is real, that happened. They segregated black people, they built up their own wealth, like you said, and they effing destroyed it. And the, the fact that he, <laughs> after all of this time in quarantine, wants to announce his first rally back on Juneteenth in Tulsa, it is so, flippantly blatant that he is appealing to his white supremacist base during a racial uprising to remind them that he is on their side. He speaks for them. He advocates for them. And for people to not see through that, I was like, are you guys blind? It is so obvious. And then after pressure, he postpones it to tomorrow as if that's any better. He's literally so dangerous. And I think it's also, so yeah, I think also it's like amazing points, but it's critical to remember how this started. The word Karen's is not just a joke. It started with those tears. It started with an accusation, the same kind of accusation that we've seen over and over and over and over and 
over again. So we have to be so critical about this time. We have to pay attention to where we are. And I think this is the beauty of, of this time as well, because it's not a white or black issue. It's not a race issue. It's an everybody versus racist. What do we want? Where are we yeah. going? So that's just what it is. I think that's the beauty and that's the unity of this time. And that's the power of this time. You wanted us to stay, to stay apart, but look at the unity that we have. So we're winning anyway. But now we see where, where the lines are drawn. And I think that's critical for moving forward. So we know where we are and what we're fighting against. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, since the last time we all um, were able to talk at different points, we found out about the murder of Rayshard Brooks as well. Um, what was your reaction to seeing that? I mean, watching the footage was just heartbreaking because he did everything that even as a black man you're told to do to make sure you don't get shot. He, he did all these things, all these ways to try to get out of situation and de-escalate. But again, it happened anyways. And of course, I don't know if you guys saw the kick that took place after he was shot. Um, and then of course, I wanna talk to you a little bit about um, the, the, firing, the firing and people leaving the police force. But just what was your reaction to that video and kind of where did it set you in this whole narrative that we're, that we're dealing with Black Lives Matter? Um, Thelma, I'll start with you. It was easy. Um, seeing the video broke my heart because this was just a beautiful human being. He offered to walk home. Now, this is just a reminder of how policing is not rooted in any way in protecting and serving. A lot of that is so much bravado. It's so much pride. It's that blue pride. How dare you? He lost his life because somebody felt upset. You kicked him and also said, I got him. You are sober. You were there to defuse the situation. He was drunk. And to hear the conversations afterwards, it really showed me how people are deeply, deeply losing it in this country. Because you do not comply with the police does not mean you lose your life. Even if you was committing a crime, it does not mean that you need to lose your life. The cops are not God. You don't make a decision on who lives and dies. That's what we're talking about. And in fact, the, the cop who shot him already had gone through de-escalation training just in February, and he had just gone through reform. That's why reform is not good enough. You can't put a bandaid on a bullet wound. We have to strip down everything and start from beginning because that was the most heartbreaking thing to see. Somebody who was willing to walk home. If you were there to protect and serve, you could have just dropped him off at home. You could, there's so many other ways that- Giving him a charge, dropped him off at home to make- So many other ways. So at the end of the day, police thing can just, cannot just be like a military thing. You guys need social skills. The same way as educators, we have to check our biases. Seriously, go through classes for that. We need to do the same thing with our cops. Yeah. Charlie, how about you? Yeah, uh, I think the situation with Richard Brooks definitely uh, reinforces everything that we're protesting about and really uh, allows us to put binoculars on, um, on the on the system and how our police system is is set up, um, you know, when you look at examples from other countries, such as in Scandinavia, like in Finland, uh, they go through like three years of serious, you know, training before they can even step out there, and then they have all kinds of tactics before it can even get to the point where you're killing someone. And and how do, how does that end up? Only a few people a year get killed by police. And here it's completely different, and you're seeing all these really terrible individual cops abusing power so there's there's many steps that we need to take in order to really change this and 
it, it is systemic. It's not just all based on the individual, but the training does need to, to improve drastically um, for these police officers. I've even heard some really great propositions about changing the whole, um, you know, how we talk about police, changing it to peace officer and, you know, taking away guns from, um, from some of them and just changing how we deal with situations. So um, it is super unfortunate and very sad, like I said before, but I think this can bring about a lot of change as, as being an example, because a lot of people to participate in change and be active and speak up, they need to see it. A lot of people are visual learners. So seeing these examples is really giving us a lot of fuel emotionally to go out and, and push for these changes. Yeah, and then reforming the police helps everybody. It's not just black yeah. people, it helps everybody. Um, Jackie, what it's are your thoughts? stop police brutality at the stop police brutality uh, protest yeah. with everyone. So it's like, it's just like a wake up call. Like, okay, this is ridiculous. And like you said, it's not just individualized. It's a systemic thing because when good cops try to call out, then it becomes, oh, you're, you're disloyal. You know, they bleed blue. You're taught to bleed blue before you bleed red. And that's unacceptable. Yeah, and that was another issue, Jackie, was that a lot of people after we, um, the officer was fired and now charged, 11 counts, um, officers started saying, I'm either not going to go out in the community, I'm calling off sick, or I'm only going to go help if an officer calls for assistance. Um, what, do you, what was your take on that, Jackie? You know, Shaka, all of this is so, it's scary. You know what I mean? We're seeing police officers finally being held accountable right? Their blanket immunity is being challenged. It's being yeah. lifted. We see in Atlanta this happening. This officer is charged. These officers react. In Buffalo, blatant video of the officers pushing an old man down and his brain bleeding, and all of them just walk past him. They get suspended. All the officers walk out. What is going on, right? And it's like you were saying, Thelma, they bleed it, it's such a weird society in there, right? A weird microcosm where there are good people in there, but once they enter thinking that they can be the good ones amongst all the bad apples, you know when you have a bad fruit in a whole basket, it that rot spreads. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening. People, they can't speak up. If they do, they're penalized, they're attacked, their, their personal lives are at stake. And so it's just such a, it's a very bad system. And when I watched him being murdered in that way, and you see the, the mayor say something like, there was no reason for that deadly force to be used. He was running away. There was no threat there. And I think a lot of the reaction is like, well, he was running away. He was resisting arrest, right? And I go, really? Dylan Roof is a white guy. And he went into a church and straight up shot people point blank in the head and was safely escorted out of that church. No bruises, no nothing. So it's, it, it really, I feel like as we are continuing to fight for these changes, when these things keep happening, it's to help people realize this isn't just George Floyd. This is actually still happening while we're speaking out about it. This, the four black men hanging from trees who right. asked suicides, I mean, people open your eyes. These are all cover-ups. You know what I mean? And it's like, I just keep having these conversations and, uh, you know, I am pretty sure you guys feel this way too. It's like, my God, this is so exhausting and yeah. emotional, but we have to be the ones who are these lights to help people see. Yeah. And I, and I will say that 
we at least got the charges quicker and uh, um, pretty fierce in this case. Um, it was Garrett Rolfe and Devin Brosnan. Um, so Garrett Rolfe has gotten 11 counts on felony murder being one of them. And of course, Devin Brosnan charged with aggravated assault. And both of them, I believe, now turn themselves in. So at least the charges are coming quicker. But again, like you said, I'm seeing so many individual videos now, people who aren't getting the same recognition, but you see the same sort of mistreatment. How are you guys dealing with um, that, 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 that influx on social media, as people involved in, in the media as well, of you know, misconduct after misconduct and sharing that with, with others and trying to do something about it? How, how are you dealing with that and what's your workflow for that? Um, I'll start with you on that, Jackie. You know, I feel like Dave Chappelle really said it best. When there's a constant barrage of these videos, you start to become desensitized to them, right? It's almost like we can't keep up. Which one was which? There's so many names. Like, who? Uh, it, it can feel overwhelming. And my fear is that, you know, when you work in corporate America and you're the one minority in a white space and you have your white boss say to you, tell me how you feel here. Are you feeling anything discriminatory as a minority, as a LGBT person, as a whatever, right? And you're like, no, no, everything's fine. I don't want to rock the boat. Then you finally tell them, you know, there are certain things, the way she says this, he says that. And then it forces them to change their perspective. And suddenly the voice that speaks out is the enemy. And it's like, actually, why don't you just shut the fuck up? So I can go back to the way it was because you brought it to my attention, but it's too troubling for me to want to actually change this entire culture. So let me just remove you. And my fear is that I don't want that to happen right now. Um, but I, I kind of have that in the back of my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about you, Thelma? Uh, I think that's very true. That happens. That's still happening. Um, but I think that there are companies and there are people who want to reckon with what we what we're going through. I think that um, you know I have a lot of non-black friends, and you know everybody has a different opinion. I understand. You know, black people are tired, and we're they're tired of educating, tired of manning. I understand. But I think also as a leader. Um, it's important and critical to know when you can have those conversations because at the end of the day, I believe it's important for us to be a part, for us, whoever wants to, to be a part of those conversations. Um, it's not your due diligence, not what you have to do, but it is critical if you feel that responsibility. I also think that there are a lot of different roles to be played in the revolution. First, with seeking knowledge for yourself. I'm somebody who must first dive into text because it's all been written before. So I have to first grapple with my emotions and sometimes that very much helps me put language to how I'm feeling. So I think that the mm. first thing for people to really start doing your own research, it's critical because we learn so much in school, but believe it or not, it's the things that you self-educate that really stick, right? It's the things that you really want to go know for yourself. So I think that that's important. At the same time, mental health is critical. I found myself going down the rabbit hole, not being able to sleep because your body is carrying the weight of it always carrying the weight of it. And I feel like, you know, I love that quote, you know, by Brian Brown, where it's the body keeps score and it always wins. So you must take care of your mental health and all of this, but I feel like it's critical. It's so important for all of us to stay charged because it's only about day 20 of the revolution, okay? We have a long, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go, okay? How about you, Charlie? That is the truth. That is so the truth. Yes, we just have to stay recharged because we are only on day like 20 and yeah. this is 
a long game and you're so right there are times when i feel exhausted and i go girl it is a privilege <laughs> to feel exhausted you better keep going and i was like i have educated myself on this since college so let me recheck these texts so i can check these folks you know <laughs> nice uh charlie how about you yeah uh I, I feel as these cases continue to happen it's just further validation for the revolution it's like adding gas to a big ass fire and this is only the beginning so if we keep seeing this this fire is just going to keep getting bigger and it's going to add fuel well you know uh it's it, it's terrible that people have to die for for this message to get across um it is adding validation um me as someone who's very multicultural and have a lot of different friends from different races uh i know for a fact that you know friends like my friends certain parents like they don't believe they think this is all bs mm -hmm. you know that that we're honing in on um you know that black lives matter and and you see them day after day after day after day after day and more and more killings you're gonna start to say oh okay maybe this is not bs you know um what also i've really enjoyed seeing is people go way out of their uh, normal platform and content to post about this. People yeah. that are not black. I, mm -hmm. I love seeing like on a random food blogger page, like black history, oh, that <laughs> ass, you know, just yeah. like a slider, just trying to educate everyone because that's, it's the most important thing. If we don't have freedom, we don't have nothing. That's so, right, and if we're not all free, none of us are free. So we right. can't be talking about able-bodied cis. No, we need to talk about all black lives. Um, and I think that's also so important. Um, so yes, and I think for people who are non-black educating people, but also for black people too, because y'all are exhausted, but we've been exhausted. So you really have to also realize that. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of what you know that's going on. There, there, there's so many things that are happening. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm so glad that we're in the age of information and I'm so happy for this eruption of consciousness. Yeah, and I, I, I gotta say for our non-black allies, I think what's so important is they are re-energizing us because we're realizing, wait, 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 some of you are getting it. Cause you know, I've been explaining this stuff for a while and just wasn't hitting. So, okay, you know, you know, it's like, I know you're not racist, but you're just not getting it. But I've seen now people are getting it. And in a way that has allowed me to even go, wait, I can demand more. Cause if you are on yourself, on your own, realizing your own biases and now checking them in a way that I didn't even realize you were gonna do. I'm working with a company. They're they're from everyone they hire down to the different things they're in, uh, implementing at the company are actual action items that I didn't even know they were willing to undertake. So what I'd like to hear from you guys in your respective industries, what are three things, action items that you think companies or even individuals um, can take that will actually be actionable to kind of get rid of some of the systemic racism that we're facing? For me, for me, the very first thing has to be representation. We've seen the lists and the list and the list of all these companies make so much money off of us, actually. They have no representation. If they do have a representation, it's a diversity um, role. So I think that's that's so just insulting. And I think that's something that has to immediately be fixed. I think number two, um, again, like, you know, I teach art, I teach culture, I'm an entertainment reporter. I have a lot of non-Black friends. I have had to go through critical and intentional non-biased training for months because you also have to check your biases as a teacher check your biases in every different um industry that you're in so i think that's the second thing that i would like to see and number three i think that there's a lot of um there's just so much due to 
African-Americans, but at the same time, I want us to also now check ourselves, right? So I think that's what the, the death of Tony actually did for us. It's also it's like right now, you know, it was said so beautifully by Sojourner Truth. She said, it's not that we're reckoning with just racism. We're not just reckoning with one ladder of oppression. We're reckoning with every single, every single ladder of oppression. So that's patriarchy as well, very much so. And we also have to address that. So that would be that for me. How about you, Jackie? You know, that's really challenging. I feel all your answers were so amazing, Thelma, that those should be point blank period. I've been saying for a long time, like black leadership matters, and especially with the revelations from all these companies. I'm so glad they're being called out on how um, they not only have black leadership, but that they've allowed these very toxic environments for example, I just think of reformation, like off the top of my head, right? And that's such a, an example of how many companies, you know, personally, like I've worked for where all the bosses are white and, you know, they have their token ethnic hires. I was very much one of those, you know, and they don't create, they create a faux sense of a safe environment for you to speak your mind, right? And it's very problematic when you're the one Asian person, you're the one black person, and then you have to be the total representative of everything that that community represents, not just domestically, but internationally. <laughs> I remember being asked about like North Korea, South Korea, and I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know? I was like, I barely can fathom all the history just in this country alone. And um, I think it's really important too, like, again, hiring, not just hiring minorities, but it's to hire them in leadership positions. Every chance I ever got as a TV journalist was from a black person. It was a black talent recruiter who hired me. It was my black teacher who pushed me to, to be a good writer. It was my the uh, black news director who said like, you are gonna be on air, you know what I mean? And it's like those leadership roles lift up other ethnic groups. And I don't think people who are non-black realize that. Mm -hmm. Charlie, how about you? Uh, well, I'm, I sell food and I'm a food blogger. So I've seen some really great examples lately of, of really good leadership. Um, some food companies are, are now donating, you know, like 10% of their sales or so. Um, you know, I, there's no end point on it, but for just for right now, they're donating money to, uh, to nonprofits, you know, such as Black Lives Matter and other organizations like civil rights organizations. Uh, and I'm also seeing, um, some of the food bloggers, like I said before, they're going out of their way to post about what's going on, going way off of their normal content, which is great. They're educating themselves. And then also um, a really great example of leadership I've seen, one of my friends, Caitlin, from my bowl up in, um, in Portland, uh, she started a program where she's every month gonna highlight uh, people of color through her blog. And she's gonna also pay them for their time and do this whole like support program thing that's really cool. I'm just seeing people go way out of their way. Uh, yeah. Maggie from Veg Out LA started a thing called Veg Up and they're selling t-shirts and they're raising money for, for nonprofits to support everything that's going on. So um, that's kind of like really what we've been able to do in food is, is to raise money to amplify our voice and amplify melanated voices and also go out of our way uh, to, to share and inspire and educate. Yeah, I love that you you compiled a list of 70, I think you got another one coming out over 80 um, black vegan restaurants or eateries that people can- Yeah, I put, I put out a list last week that was 70, plus, it was like 73 
black owned vegan businesses in LA and that's just LA. And so that was a lot of people were really thankful for that because um, I do find a lot of people get shafted. Like, you know, about like maybe the main 10, but like me, like I'm a connector. I'm in the hood. I live in South Central for five years. I just moved out. And, you know, I know all these great chefs that are just more local. And, you know, a lot of people, especially white people, they don't go south of Pico in L.A. They don't go down to Lamert Park. They don't go down to the hood. They don't know any of these people. So I felt it was kind of like my calling. I had to do that because people don't know about all this talent, all these amazing businesses. And why not go and support, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, people uh, I know for a fact, people have gone out of their way to support a lot of these businesses. And since I posted that list, I found out about like 10 to 15 more. So I love that. I pretty love soon that. it might be at like a hundred. You know? <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool um, to have a hundred black vegan businesses in LA. That'd be amazing. Um, I know a lot of companies and friends alike are actually afraid to post, you know, whether it was a black square, they're afraid to post anything, but not because they're not supporters, but because they're afraid of what will be expected of them next. Um, when it comes to a friend or even a company, um, what do you expect if someone is showing support in a post? For me, I'll tell you, if a company posted that black square at a minimum, something needs to be donated to um, a black charity. At a minimum, um, there needs to be a donation. Um, I would like to see you go through your company and organization and get some real action taken there. What do you guys expect? You know, I think that's a conversation. People are nervous to post because they don't know, you know, the next question coming at them. Um, I'll jump in. So uh, I think uh, I think even small contributions go a long way. Um, if you are a profitable business, it's it's really important to support right now because this is affecting all of us. This is something that could shut the whole country down. You know, uh, there is COVID too, but you know this is a really big deal. So we all need to be pushing in that direction for change. Otherwise, everyone's going to be affected, and business will be affected. You know, yeah. so. It's really, it's really putting your, your foot forward and not only just showing where you stand with these issues, but actually materializing it. So um, if there's something a company could do that for you would be like, okay, that's, that's a good start. I mean, if they don't know what to do, just uh, like, you know, sharing information and giving some kind of donation is big. I think that that's huge and it'll, it will add up if everyone's doing that and donating a little bit, then it's going to add up. I think I could answer your question too. Like, um, oh, sorry. So uh, I know so many companies like uh, uh, who are like huge Fortune 500 companies who it's kind of like legally they go, how do we navigate this, right? We've, we donate, but we can't really say how much we've donated. We've donated millions of dollars, things like this, right? And I think what is required next besides just a monetary tax off donation, taxable mm -hmm. donation, is something that is very energy consuming, which is to not just have diversity hires, but actually look at their leadership and ask themselves, why do we only have white people as our leaders and not blacks, not people of color, not indigenous folks, right? Mm -hmm. So that would require them to be fully transparent, almost like releasing a tax audit, which feels so revealing. And they don't want to be held accountable for those kind of things until people find out and the public pressure is too huge. But those super huge corporations who aren't saying like, this is our staff, yada, yada, and who've just like thrown money at the, the problem in a way, I think that's what they're grappling with. What do we say next? Because we don't want people to do a deep dive into mm -hmm. our personnel. Because yeah. That will require 
us to do all of this hiring, which is very tedious, time consuming and costs a lot of money, but, and it needs to be done. Yeah, I think to add on to everything you guys said, it's just an and and a comma for me is like, I don't want any performance of empathy because that's just more tolerance and tolerance breeds into hate and just goes into the side because of what's going on right now. So I don't want any performance from empathy for people in my life or people who represent these companies. Enough is enough. It's time to reckon with your whiteness. It's not a black issue. It's not a, you need to reckon with yourself. What is it? About, about your mindset and your thought process in order to be tall, somebody else has to be on their knees. Jackie made a comment earlier that, you know, she was one of those diversity hires. You were not, you deserved to be there. That is the plight that we carry. Did I deserve to be there? Was it just, no, you did. You did, and we do. So you can't tell me that there aren't, there aren't qualified black leaders. Stop it. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's how like that internalized racism that they make us believe like we're this less than because I'm here because purely just how um, a diversity hire and it's not true. You're totally right. Thank you. And for a long time, you almost, it's, it's just a, it's a mental warfare. Am I, am I thinking it? Am I imagining it in my mind? You're not. You're not imagining it in your mind. So a lot of companies, including our own, so many are coming to a reckoning with how can we truly start to address this from a place of humility, love, and faith in what we're trying to accomplish. And it's happening because we're not staying silent. I, there was a time yes. where you felt I'm the diversity hire and I don't want to rock the boat, but now we're realizing, no, I have to rock the boat or they're going to keep killing us. You know, that's, that is the potential penalty for not rocking the boat. Um, but I, I want to thank you guys for, for this commentary. This has been beautiful. Um, we got so much work to do, but you guys keep me energized. Uh, where can they find you guys online? Charlie, we'll start with you. Uh, my Instagram is my main means of uh, everything. Uh, it's, uh, it's at Charlie underscore my last name, Fife. That's F-Y-F-F-E. All right, Thelma, where can they find you online? You guys, wonderful people. Thank you so much for having me. You guys, this has been a wonderful conversation. Love that. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter, all, the, all of them with Thelmy with three Ys. Um, you can also look out for me on Sweet Candor TV, Salt TV. Uh, yeah, we're just working. BHL off the buzz. We're here. And Jackie, we're going to find you. <laughs> yes, this has been an amazing conversation. I've loved the energy in this room. You can find me across all social media at Jackie Fern, F-E-R-N. And you guys can find me at Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. We appreciate your comments on YouTube and on iTunes. So please give us five stars, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you, Shaka. Bye, guys. Thank you, thank you guys. <laughs> on behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. <laughs>